now with the red wing line, right wing, to a wide open Keith, left circle, fires, he scores! There's a shot by Nylander, he scores! Behind the net to Tate, he shoots and scores! Doubling back, Duncan Keith, still got the jump, to a wide open Keith, left circle, fires, he scores! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. There goes the goaltender, Franzrep. Oh, and he shouldn't have left the net. David Camp with a loose puck. Fires it down toward the empty net. He scores! Red wing line on the right wing. Bats it down behind the net. Bounces out the cave. He shoots and scores! Chris Bowden and Scott King break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Jonathan Cave into the top shelf. Now, here they are. Chris Bowden and Scott King. Hi again, everyone. We don't have a, a game to talk about, another game to talk about. Thankfully, we'll be able to do that uh, after Thursday's game and Saturday's game and Monday's game, which will be our next podcast. The games come fast and furious over the course of the next uh, five days. Uh, three games in all, including the home opener. But uh, we're recording here after Wednesday afternoon's practice from Fifth Third Arena and getting ready for the San Jose Sharks to take the ice as well. And, Scott, I guess we should start there because uh, this home opener with the red carpet and the pomp and circumstance and whatnot is is going to be fun. I think these guys are desperate to take the ice once again since it's been six days and a transcontinental trip as well. But Tuesday night, those San Jose Sharks fell to 0-4 in Nashville. They've had trouble scoring goals, five goals in four games. Uh, the losses that they've had personnel-wise, Joe Pavelski and a couple of the depth guys, Jonas, uh, Jonas Donskoy, uh, Justin Brown, he's not there anymore. They got Evander Kane back from a suspension. But they're going to be coming in in a bad mood, and uh, whether Patrick Marlowe suits up for them or not, that's one thing to keep in mind here because teams have a tendency to get a little bit sluggish after a long trip and a long time off. And I think that's the thing the Blackhawks were talking in the locker room after practice they have to safeguard against. Yeah, I think the Hawks know they're a great team and they're going to be hungry losing the first four of the season. You know, you're talking about a team that went to the Western Conference final and lost to the Stanley Cup champion Blues. So a good team. They were missing some guys. They're getting a few of them back. So they know not to take them lightly at all. And, yeah, Gustav Nyquist is another guy that they picked up the trade deadline last year. He's no longer around. But when you take a look at Eric Carlson, Tomas Hurdle, and Timo Meyer have combined so far for zero goals and one assist, uh, that dam's going to break sometime, and you just hope the Blackhawks uh, do a better job than they did against the Philadelphia Flyers in that game uh, Friday in Prague that we did our last podcast after, and that was puck management issues. And we, we saw in practice here on Wednesday – you know, they spent the the first half of their practice or so, which was about an hour long, working on puck management, getting the puck into the opponent's zone, because that was something they were sorely lacking between faceoffs and turning the puck over. Uh, that was too much of a flashback. We've talked about it on our last podcast from last year, and it has to stop quickly here, especially when you have to take advantage of the seven game homestand too. Yeah, we talked a lot about possession, and I think it's it's going to be all about. Establishing that, especially against this hungry Sharks team, and yeah, you, you watch them work on on dumpins a lot the first half of practice, and then the second half of special teams did a lot. So hopefully, you see some improvements there as well. In the opener in Prague, I don't think the special teams were too bad. I, they did they connect on a power play? Yeah, they did. Uh, with just like a second left, that was the Debrinket goal. That's they right. did allow right. a, a, a power play goal as well, and I think they were successful in all their kills, right? 
Or no? They did allow one power play. One, one, okay, so I was wrong. But uh, not, not terrible on special teams, but they did spend a lot of time working on it because you're going to need it heading into the homestand here. Yeah, the Sharks are just 1 for 17 so far on that power play. But uh, you're talking about uh, improving dumps. It, it reminded me of what, what you used to say all the time as we work on our sophomoric humor here. <laughs> but uh, So we don't have any new news about the Blackhawks other than the fact that yeah, Connor Murphy is, is uh, probably going to be back in the lineup as the San Jose Sharks and, and the uh, heavily bearded Joe Thornton take the ice. But man with a beard taking the ice during the podcast. You know who that is. And, Jumbo. Uh, Jumbo, Jumbo Joe has taken the ice. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted whether there's a Patrick Marlowe sighting here as well because uh, he was uh, just re-signed within the last 24 hours. But you'll be hearing the sounds of a Sharks practice in the background here as we record this podcast. So we mentioned Connor Murphy likely to be back in. Calvin DeHaan still apparently has a problem with that groin injury. And Jeremy Carlton is not going to be announcing the starting goaltender until game day, as he usually does. So if you're listening to this podcast after 10.30 or so on Thursday morning, Check our Twitter line, and, and we'll have the reveal in terms of whether it's going to be Corey Crawford or Robin Leonard in the net. But, Scott, let's, let's talk real quickly before we hear from Eric Gustafson about the rest of the NHL here in this opening week. There's always these surprises, and you don't know what the sustainability is going to be, but you have the Edmonton Oilers and Anaheim Ducks at 3-0 and so far. Carolina's picking up where they left off at 4-0. Uh, they're the uh, lone undefeated team. So... Uh, Arizona started out 0-2. They're a little bit sluggish out of the gate. And some other central teams as well. Dallas just got their first victory in Washington in overtime on Tuesday night. Uh, Winnipeg, which uh, looked left for dead with all their defensive problems, uh, they're 2-2 after opening up with four games out east. So they're in a better situation I think a lot of people expected, getting a couple of victories. Nashville's looking fairly strong. St. Louis looking fairly strong. Colorado started out two and zero, but uh, yeah, some of these some of these starts here, the Blackhawks, you know, it almost raises the urgency level when you have teams like Edmonton and Anaheim starting out three and. And you see all these teams with four games, some with, with just three, but still. The Hawks had played one game, and that says why we're going to have a very busy October here. Yep. And uh, as we said, uh, this Edmonton team is going to be coming in on Monday. The Winnipeg team we were just talking about will come in on Saturday night. So a whole lot to uh, look forward to. And, you know, uh, that just increases the urgency of this homestand with an Edmonton at 3-0. and Winnipeg surviving a little bit better. And one other point here about what we're observing, too. We mentioned Joel Quenville as uh, we, we brought out our, our bad humor with his references. But they played two games in Florida, and each time I've seen the highlights, Scott, they're still, like, the stands are only half full. So you wonder when the appeal is going to happen for this Florida Panthers team. A lot of excitement over the moves they made and a lot of excitement over a queue. But... Um, People are enjoying the sunshine, I guess, in Florida more than hockey so far. They're going to have to build the arena where those retirement communities are so they can just go walk outside or look out their window. And if they're not going to go you know, pay some money and get some seats for the stash, I don't know what's going to get them there. All right, so uh, coming up in this podcast, you'll hear about the brand-new United Center scoreboard, some of the details about it. We'll hear from Joe Myra, who is the... Uh, United Center Senior Vice President of Operations and Administration. Scott and I will also talk a little bit about some of the new food options you'll see as Blackhawk fans get to the United Center this year. 
obviously the scoreboard's the big thing, but let's uh, stick to hockey here. Had a chance to catch up with Eric Gustafson. This is actually a couple of weeks ago during training camp, and had a chance to talk to him about, uh, you know, what kind of year he's expecting of himself and how everyone else may expect him to just put up 17 goals and 60 points again. And he said, you'll hear in this interview, you hear him say that it even surprised him to a certain extent. Uh, so we touch on that, and we touch also here on things he wanted to improve. And that's where we start out, because it's kind of interesting to hear Eric say he had that career year, even though he didn't necessarily feel like he was himself physically. He didn't, didn't feel like uh, he was as good as he potentially can be. And that's where we pick up this interview, where he discusses what he worked on most in the offseason. You just look at the guys out there right now. It's quick players. Uh, it's uh, good uh, moving puck defensemen in all kind of areas too. But uh, this summer, I kind of looked at my. Uh, I had some trouble before with my knee. Uh, kind of, I don't know if they were bad or I was um, didn't have enough, enough uh, muscle on them or whatever. I did a lot of single leg squat and uh, trying to stay uh, more more stabilized the knee and around the knees because uh, I felt like, not last year, but uh, a couple years before that, I kind of felt like uh, my skating was not good good enough uh, when I was in one, one skate. Uh, I was kind of felt like I was all out of balance or whatever it was and this offseason I kind of did a lot of uh, just like I said before, single squat, trying to build the muscle around the knee so I can move around more quicker and uh, more stabilizer. And when I lose control of the other leg, uh, when I step on one uh, one leg, and last year I felt like I was too loose on uh, around my knee and um, all around it. And uh, this year I'm trying to work around it and uh, trying to stabilize it a little bit more. I felt feels much better out there now and figure out if it, like pivots and stuff like that be more more quicker from uh, going backwards to forward and uh, and the opposite way and uh, feels like it's helped a lot and uh, feels quick out there well the other day jeremy said when when breaking down pairings or what side guys are stronger on he said he views you as stronger on the right side now and you've been playing a lot of that but I know a couple of years ago when he approached you about that, you said, no way, I, I can't do it. Do you feel you're as strong or stronger on the right side now yet? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I think uh, Duncan Keats uh, has helped me a lot to play on the right side. It's just a very easy guy to play with. And uh, uh, I don't know, he makes, he makes uh, me look better out there, I think. He's just give the puck to me when... Uh, in a good timing and uh, when I want to park and uh, when I'm skating uh, up up and then towards the defensive zone and uh, I'm coming with a lot of speed he passing me so it's um, he helps me a lot and uh, it was uh, kind of hard in the beginning but uh, now it actually feels like uh, this is my strongest side uh, it was a, lot, a long time ago I played on the left side so I kind of it's kind of nice in the uh, offensive zone too you know in the face off and stuff like that you, you have the one time where you see see the ice much more um, when on the left side you, you almost look always looking down right away instead of going looking DD or whatever you want when I'm on the right side I kind of I kind of see the play all the time because I had to stick uh, in, in towards the middle of the ice so I don't know it feels like I can move the parking I can do stuff on the blue end more and even in my own zone too and I get even if I if I get it on the backhand my, my head is up so it's uh, it's kind of easy to um, find a simple place and stuff like that well he challenged you with that a couple of years yeah. ago and so 
how, how is that relationship? How how is how is your relationship with with Jeremy? Just in terms of, and as I guess you can speak for all the guys in the room here, in terms of that communication and you know making sure everybody is on the same page, be it individually or as a group. Well, he was talking to me, and just like I said, he was talking to me, and I, I what are you going to do? This was um, a couple of years back, and, and I was kind of like, you know, when your coach says you're going to play here, you don't say too much. So it was kind of just trying to figure out what uh, route you're going to do in your own zone, uh, what, if you're going to make the take it on the forehand or backhand, it's kind of those small plays you have to figure out what's easier for you, and uh, I think, um, just like I said before, Dunks has helped me a lot on that. And uh, he's making those easy plays all the time. He doesn't wait till one one guy is on me. He always tries to fake the other way and pass it over to me. And uh, and that's that's helped me a lot because I think it's much easier when you play on the right side. If you get a little time when you get the puck, you can go up uh, in the middle uh, much faster and see the play more. Well, if I would have told you a couple of years ago you have a 17-goal, 60-point season under your belt, you probably wouldn't have believed it based on you know your, your previous statistics. Does that raise the bar of expectations for you, and, and can you afford to even think about that too much out there, trying to match what you did last season or surpass it? Of course you want to match it. I want to do everything I can to help this team win. So, uh, But it's, uh, it's a little bit challenge, but I think it's just a fun challenge too. Um, I never scored 17 goals. I think I don't think I scored 17 goals in over three years or whatever. So, but uh, no, it's uh, it's a little bit shy. I think I have a little bit more pressure on me this year than I had last year. So, but it's fun. It's fun. Um, I think um, I have had this pressure before, but not kind of this one. Uh, I think I have a, had a lot of pressure on me last year and the year before that, but it's. There's another kind of uh, different pressure on me, but I think I managed to handle that too, and uh, I think I can handle this too. Yep. Scoring goals is fun, I guess. Uh, yeah. And from last year to this year, uh, what did you see from Adam, a, a very offensive defenseman? What did you see from Adam Boquist in terms of his improvement with what you saw of him for the first time last year to where he is this year? I think he's proved a lot. Uh, I think it was a good year, a good year down uh, down in London and. Uh, uh, very skilled guy, uh, good in the locker room, good kid. Uh, it uh, feels like I have my little brother here in the locker room. So, but no, it's uh, he's uh, he's improved in the defensive part. Uh, I think uh, he's not the biggest guy out there, but uh, he can skate it. He's good on the skates. He can skate the puck up, and uh, he can he can go in on those one-on-one battles right now. I think he was. A little too soft in the last year, but um, I think uh, now he, he showed that he can play in this league, and uh, I think he's he's ready. Uh, maybe maybe whatever happens here in camp, I think uh, he's going to be a big part of this that's Oregon chasing for a long time. So a little bit there from Eric Gustafson as uh, the San Jose Sharks continue warming up ahead of their practice here uh, prior to the home opener for the Hawks against the San Jose Sharks. And yes, there is a Patrick Marlowe siding beneath us. So the 40-year-old is back at it, the all-time games play leader, uh, goal-scoring leader, points leader for the San Jose Sharks, number two pick in 1997 draft. But back to Gustafson, he picks up where he leaves off in Prague. Two assists in that opening game. But even hear Jeremy Carlton say after Wednesday's practice, 
he was like everyone else defensively in that contest. Too much time in their own zone. Everyone has to be a little bit sharper. But he knows heading into this contract year and the uncertainty about what his future will be that uh, he needed to up his game. And, yeah, he, he went through some uh, some specific workouts to try and make those improvements. That's really interesting because one of the things you didn't think was a weakness for him was his skating. And he wants to improve his skating. And I guess for all you young hockey players out there, he specifically talked about his workout where he's doing single leg squats to improve the stability of his knee to be a better skater and, and have more quickness that way. So I guess it's always good to improve upon your strengths even something we see Patrick Kane do every year in the offseason uh, seemingly so yeah I mean for him to, to stay hungry and want to improve is great Erica finally following the workouts that Scott and I do in our offseason pre-podcast workouts exactly so uh, and Scott also bringing out his Steve Stone version of the hockey for all you young hockey players out there so good on you for that all right so uh, that's where we stand from an on-ice standpoint. And we're going to get to some of the slap shot questions as well. But before we get to that, uh, let's talk about this new monstrous scoreboard with the guy who was the main brainchild behind it in making it happen. That's Joe Myra, who's the United Center Senior Vice President of Operations and Administration. Uh, they did. They brought all the bells and whistles in a media event last week. And so I wanted to talk to Joe about some of the particulars on how they made this happen this United Center scoreboard, uh, 50 million pixels. It's like watching a television in front of you. 53 feet when it's at its normal length and 100,000 pounds, two times the previous weight of the old scoreboard, which lasted 13 years. And obviously, the main thing that is the difference from the other one at first sight is the massive size of this scoreboard. And that's where we pick up our conversation with Joe Myra. It's you know the sheer volume and size of the old score the scoreboard compared to the old scoreboard. It's about four times the LED coverage that we had before. Um, the other thing is the clarity, uh, color contrast. We've modified our cameras uh, to provide new content. We're, we're striving towards that that uh, 4K capability. Um, you know that's one thing people notice immediately when they see that. Uh, I think the uh, how it fits in the arena, the the you know the the, the size, the design, the the dimensions, and and just the overall. Uh, feel of the board it feels really organic and it, it complements what's happening on the court it complements the design of the building the bowl uh, that was important to us to our ownership group uh, it really provides the same um, the same entertainment value anywhere in the in the arena um, you know if you're sitting on the 300 level or 100 level club level uh, suites wherever that may be on the court you've got access to all the information you've got access to video uh, even more so than you would ever have in other arenas uh, and definitely more than you had in our old board um, so that, I think those are the things that to me as, as a fan and an observer and in our design group we try to achieve those those goals and I think we uh, did a pretty good job you'll be, be impressed what were the challenges in terms of making sure if someone's in standing room at 300 level, you know, making sure the sight lines with something that big, yeah. what were some of those challenges? And what were the challenges weight-wise, too, to get that thing installed in this building? Um, a very good question. Um, you know, the, I'll address the sight line question first. We, we work with our um, our consultants. We do a number of uh, sight line investigations, sight line tests. We apply that against camera positions, uh, fan perspectives. We work with our internal groups, our, the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the United Center, 
Um, we, we talk about what the pain points were for fans in other locations. Um, we have a lot to get in. So we, we hang a lot from the ceiling, so there's a lot of uh, interference there as well. Mm. You know, we talk about banners. We, we put the new audio system in. You know, there's there's all of that stuff comes together. So, uh, you know, we partner with our consultants. We part of the internal uh, partners. We listen to our fans, and we try to address those things in combination. Um, you know, the, the other piece, you know, from a structural standpoint, weight and, and weight, and, and we also consider what we do uh, outside of Bulls and Blackhawk games as, as special mm-hmm. events and concerts. So those concerts and, and our shows are getting larger. They're hanging larger production. Uh, we're trying to modify and upgrade our building. You know, it's a 25-year anniversary, so we're, we're working towards modernizing everywhere we can, uh, work with our local structure engineers to add add support connections as well as uh, support members. Uh, we, we hung another about 130 tons uh, of steel in the, in the in the roof to uh, to account for that. So it's uh, you know it's been it's been quite a summer, and uh, we, we did that without shutting down the arena, which is difficult to do. So that's a testament to our to our operational group and, and the partners we work with. Um, but look, it's it's a great product. Um, you know, we've added the capabilities. This now has the dynamic approach where you can change look and feel, which I thought was important. Uh, we took the, we blended what's uh, happening in the the, the concert and, and live music uh, production arena and applied that to kind of a traditional, um, you know, NHL, NBA center scoreboard. I think we kind of uh, found the best of both worlds that our fans will hopefully enjoy. So when this idea all comes about. There's not like a scoreboard manufacturer that has a catalog and say, "This is what would you like this?" I'm sure it's 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 a give and take, and and you know it's you know you work off a base of an original idea, and just a conversation begins about what can we do with this? Can we do this? Can we do that? Yeah, well, you always start with the basics. What do we have to have, right? Um, what would we like to have? Figure out where the gaps are, and then you really want to make it your own. Uh, you know, it's just like. Uh, these are not off the shelf, like you said. Uh, you, you work with different design groups. Uh, the folks internally who have great ideas are creative teams. Uh, um, Sergio and his team, as well as the Bulls and the Blackhawks, they have great ideas of what they would like to do. Um, you know, at our kickoff meeting, I'll share a small story uh, for this project. We had everyone involved in the project, from uh, you know designers, uh, operators, installers, uh, consultants product manufacturers uh there was 45 people in the room uh and and amongst that was about 22 different groups so you can imagine all those different resources coming together uh that's what it takes to get something like this uh done with uh it's a significant project it's a significant statement it's going to be a staple to our building for a a long time and uh, i thought that's kind of so that's kind of the answer to your question but also uh uh, a pat on the backs of those that, that did the work uh, to make it happen in a pretty short amount of time. Was the the board on the underbelly of the of the scoreboard itself, was that part of the original concept? Or once you saw how large it was, did that come a little bit later thinking, all right, well, everyone who's in that lower bowl, the first five, ten rows, not, not to mention the players and coaches, they need something too. Was that part of the original plan, though? Uh, absolutely. So it, it modified a little bit, but that was one of our of the basics that we had identified. Every fan has to have a, a similar experience and similar information. Um, you know, I'll, I'll quote one of our internal uh, executives. Uh, the fan is sometimes the most uninformed person in, in, in the building with all the digital media, um, you know, at-home broadcast, things like that. So you want to make sure you provide as much content uh, as possible. So we did that, and then we looked at uh, the different sightline challenges with increasing the footprint of the board. The further you go out into the, in the into the fans outside of center ice or center court, obviously the more challenging the sightlines. So uh, the inner board provided a nice solution for that. Uh, we also added square footage for LED ca- capacity. A video uh, stats is also very important for us and our fans. That's another platform and, and, and canvas to apply that towards. 
Um, and at the end of the day, it looks and feels like it should be there. To have nothing there, obviously, would, would, uh, was not acceptable for us. And uh, we found it a great opportunity to take care of those uh, folks sitting uh, on the court, on the ice, uh, and even up to about the 10th or 12th row. And they start to transition to the even larger screens. And then we go up to the, you know, the top row of the building, the 300 level or standing room only. You still have access to all that information. Uh, and you're seeing the full board in its, its entirety, and we're very excited for it. And in addition to the visual side of things, there are also massive upgrades made in the sound system at the United Center where it's coming less from the scoreboard in the center and more from all around, more of a surround sound type deal. I don't know if Troy and I are going to have to shout any louder during our pregame show on WGN Radio. We'll just have to find out uh, on Thursday. Now, in addition to the scoreboard, as the Sharks continue working hard, trying to snap out of their own four start here below us, uh, there are new food options. Uh, the big one is uh, Stephanie Izard. Uh, who has the girl and the goat, an award-winning chef there. Uh, they're bringing the little goat went to the taqueria to Section 114 at the United Center. And us media folks had a sampler. I don't know why you didn't make it that day, Scott, but we had a little sampler. And uh, last Thursday, uh, in addition to the scoreboard reveal and... The taco options are absolutely tremendous, and I'm not sure if we're going to see you as much in the press box as we are down in Section 114 during these games. Well, it's be real hard to focus. I'll probably be be all over. I know there in the uh, the, the 200 level, I think there's new desserts. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be very busy during the game, but uh, no, I would have I would have loved to have the short rib tacos, the uh, goat empanadas. It, pay, it pained me not to be at that tasting. I think I was busy. It pained me not to be there. And I'm starving here. You're, we're looking at we're looking at pictures of food earlier. We're reading all these food items. It's 1:22. I had one protein bar at 8 a.m. This is torture. So yeah, the, the options or the offerings are short rib tacos, pulled pork tacos, spicy chicken tacos, veggie tacos, the goat empanadas, and of course avocado dip. And there's other good stuff. Actually, almost right across from. The little goat went to the taqueria at the United Center. Honey buttered fried chicken is also uh, an option there, and they're uh, switching up some of their their barbecue as well. So uh, enjoy, everybody. There's also something called Mindy's yes. hot chocolate. That's what I was gonna say, yeah. I think I've had it. I think it's delicious. But I know it's uh, supposed to be very, very good. Yeah, and uh, it includes a cocktail like uh, Mindy's cocktails as well with Mindy's hot chocolate. So. Everybody, enjoy. While Scott and I are going to try to be focusing on the game, you guys can get up out of your seat and uh, enjoy some of the uh, fantastic food offerings around the United Center uh, this season for Blackhawks hockey. All right, it's that time of our podcast when we hear from you. Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boda Tweets and at Scott King Media for your questions to be read on the podcast. And it's perfectly fitting we do hashtag slap shots, your questions with slap shots going on in the background here. Um, that's the way we planned it, folks. So let's go to some of your questions. Hashtag slap shots. We, we sent out uh, the invitation to ask us questions on Twitter using that hashtag as uh, we can continue this new phase of our podcast. And uh, through Twitter, we got a couple of questions. Who we got here? Uh, first one from Denise at Play the Dagger. Has the team noticeably grown tighter compared to the start of the season? Probably talking about the chemistry building on the European road trip. Yeah, they're talking like they do, but that's that's something that you don't really 
you can't really sense probably until a little bit later on in the season. Um, I would imagine, you know, by, by the time they got back from Prague, they just wanted to go their own separate ways and put their head on a pillow. But um, that's, that's kind of the long-term thing. I don't know if you're going to necessarily see it or sense it or feel it short-term, uh, but it is certainly a starting point. Jonathan Taves talked about that uh, in the locker room after Wednesday's practice, that uh, that's the expected whole purpose of the trip. Uh, aside from not getting the two points that they wanted, that that's something that uh, they can come a little bit closer and get to know the guys a little bit off the ice better. So um, it's kind of organic, I suppose. It's going to have to grow over the course of the season. All right, thanks for your question. Uh, who else we got here? We got uh, at Tyler Typing, Tyler Cameron. Who's the best player to interview out of the new guys? Out of the new guys? Well, that, there's really not a bad hockey interview. Um, <laughs> it's very, very rare do you find a hockey player you got your handful that are grumpy here, but the Blackhawks have, have a good room overall. Calvin DeHaan's a real good talker. Um, uh, also, I haven't had a chance really to sit with Ryan Carpenter that much, but Zach Smith we had on one of the uh, preseason postgame shows. He's a real good talker as well. So um, of the new guys, those are the two that, that jump out. Have you come across any of the others? You know, I haven't talked to as many of the new guys at practice or, or like you have, but um, I will say – the the segment Robin Leonard gave us at the yeah. convention, yeah. just the fact that he's he answers your questions, but he's that he's such an open book, and especially as an advocate for mental health awareness, I, I think he's been fantastic. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I forgot to leave that in because we visited with both Oli Mata and Robin Leonard at the convention, and both of them were very good. And Robin, yeah, another very approachable guy there uh, in the locker room. Um, and, an, and, a, and a new old guy, Andrew Shaw, isn't bad either. So the fans will be happy to see him once again on Thursday night at the opener. Uh, was it one more we got here? Yeah, we can do one more from Twitter. Remember, just uh, tweet Chris or I, uh, hashtag Slapshots, and whatever question you have before our podcast. At Kiki's Keys. It's K-I-K-I, at Kiki's Keys. When do you think that Brendan Perlini will get a chance to play? Well, um, he and Kirby Docker, the extra guys, have been at practice so far, and uh, I think it's a matter of time for both of those. And I don't know about you, Scott, but you have some of these fans who are thinking, all right, after one game, it's time to shuffle things up. Um, and, and it's a small sample size so far. But I think, you know, probably within these next three games at home that come fast and furious, the three games in five days, if Jeremy doesn't see something he's liking out of a particular player or he thinks, you know, uh, Perlini in particular might be add, add something to the table, um, there's a reason he is out right now um, based on what Jeremy and the coaching staff have decided. And we've talked about it since Perlini came here. You see all the potential there. It's just a matter of putting it all together on the ice and getting consistent in, in his game because last year he had those seven goals in four games or whatever it was, and then you were searching for that offense a little bit more. And Jeremy, like he says about a lot of guys, time and again, it's about what they're doing over 200 feet of ice. And uh, he was probably looking to see more of it and going just through some options to start the season. He thought uh, he had something a little bit better than, than Perlini. Yeah, it's about putting it all together for him and finding consistency. We know he can play with an edge. You know he can be uh, a great, skilled offensive player just with scoring so many goals in such a little time last year. It's doing it uh, night in and night out. I expect him to get in within two, three games, I think, like you said, because they got to play their way. Calton wants them to play. 
And even when you're the extra guy, all it takes is an injury or or the, the line combination's not showing what the coach wants for them. They'll be back in pretty soon. Yeah, and, and the Blackhawks have been, you know, overall fairly good, except for the DeHaan situation and Murphy missing the opener, pretty good injury-wise, and the other guy being Kirby Doc, who looks like he's closer and closer to making his NHL debut. Uh, before we wrap up, you got you got a buddy who's done a little bit of Blackhawk work that you want to give a shout-out to? Yeah, thanks. A, uh, a good friend of mine, Paul Banks, um, he has a website, uh, sportsbank.net, I believe, but he's a friend of mine. We both wrote for Chicago Now that Blackhawks beat writer Jimmy Greenfield was a community manager for. We all won a softball championship together. But Paul wrote a book called uh, No, I Can't Get You Free Tickets is, I believe, the title. Paul's covered a little bit of everything, uh, college sports, pros. So he was kind enough to send me a copy with a nice little note and uh, some great stuff about being a sports writer in there. I think people would want to know questions you might have and some Blackhawk stuff in there as well. So check out Paul's book. No, I can't get you free tickets. You sure you can't? You can't get me I think you get me free tickets. Okay. I don't know about everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to Paul on that project. And, uh, yeah, one other note I want to bring up, and and it's Dominic Kubelik. I, I talked to him after he after that first practice on Monday. Uh, very grateful for that uh, NHL debut in the Czech Republic. Um, says he was really occupied with family and whatnot, but was fairly happy with his game and how he fit in. But he's most happy that he's back home. And not only is his mother and his girlfriend coming here to Chicago, but also his, his dog, a chihuahua named Rocky. So uh, maybe he is going to give uh, R- Ralph the Brink dog, if he starts his own Instagram, some run for his money. But uh, um, just a chihuahua named Rocky. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Yo, Adrian. Uh, we want to thank you for your involvement in our uh, hashtag Slapshots questions. Uh, we always appreciate the questions and uh, glad to answer them here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Also want to thank our producer, Curtis Koch, as well as Ernie Scatton for his dulcet tones on the podcast, making it that much better. Ernie, thanks a bunch. Uh, so, again, thanks for listening. And, uh, again, we'll come at you again with a new Blackhawks Crazy Podcast coming up after Monday night's game. The Blackhawks will have three games under their belt. Uh, Finally, the schedule picks up, and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about after those first three home games, and hopefully we're talking about uh, a couple, if not all, three Blackhawks victories as well. Follow me on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and you can follow Scott at, at, at Scott King Media. From the Fifth Third Arena on Wednesday afternoon with the San Jose Sharks, for Scott King, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Scott King Media. That was great!